Welcome to a special edition of the IRSD Spotlight Podcast. Today, we will focus on a complex topic that has gained widespread attention from parents, students, and school officials across the country in recent months. In March 2017, Netflix launched an original television series titled 13 Reasons Why. The program is an adaptation of the Jay Asher novel of the same name that was published in 2011. It is the story of a teenage girl who commits suicide and leaves behind a series of audio tapes explaining the 13 reasons she chose to end her life. After her death, the tapes are circulated among the people whom she claims played a role in her tragic decision. Since its release, the show has become a hot topic of discussion among teenagers and generated controversy among some adults who question the appropriateness of the subject matter. In a moment, we'll be joined by two school counselors who will give their impressions of 13 Reasons Why and talk about what parents and students can do to help prevent teen suicide. I'm Dave Mall, and this is the IRSD Spotlight. Welcome back. Today I'm joined by two special guests, uh, Aaron Crooks and Marie Keffer, who are both counselors at Georgetown Middle School. Um, Aaron, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dave. Marie, welcome. Hi, Dave. Thank you. Um, I want to thank you both for being here today. Um, now, in the interest of full disclosure, I have not seen the television version of 13 Reasons Why, but I have read, I have read extensive excerpts from the novel. Mm-hmm. The television series appears to be broader in scope and maybe a bit more graphic in its portrayal of teen suicide and its consequences. It seems that one of the controversies surrounding the show is the belief by some that it that it I don't know glorifies suicide as a solution to you know personal or emotional problems. What is your opinion on that? Yeah, um, critics have said that the series glorifies suicide, and I I have to agree. Hannah, the main character, she narrates a story and is sort of ever present in the series so she's visual you know you have a visual on her almost throughout every episode um, which gives a glorified view of suicide it almost appears as if she hasn't died Mm -hmm. which can seem glamorous to teens as if you know they too could look down on their own aftermath um, of their own death and see how it affects those left behind so it the show does take away the feeling of the finality of suicide which I do think it is, you know, glorifies the topic. Mm-hmm. I also think it kind of feeds into that revenge fantasy that a lot of um, people are having if they're at the point where they're considering suicide, right? They want um, people that have hurt them to feel the repercussions for that and really understand what pain they've had and what, what pain they've caused them. Um, so I think in the show, it really sends the message that by dying, all of these people who are still living are really going to finally understand the pain that she was feeling. Um, And I also think, you know, you see all these memorials to her um, after her death. Her locker is memorialized, and they talk about having a tribute issue of the the school magazine to her. Um, And I think it's it's like she's finally getting all this attention that she needed when she was alive. Um, She's finally getting that after her death. Mm -hmm. So I I agree. I think it does kind of um, glorify the idea of suicide. It is interesting. It does almost play like a revenge drama in a a certain way Mm -hmm. from from what I understand. Um, in, in your opinion, I mean, do you think that today's teenagers can relate to the program or to the show and its message? Yeah, I, I do. I think that a lot of the things that um, the main character experiences are 
real life situations that teens face. Um, I think every kid could relate to some aspect of the show, even if it's not the more extreme situations that Hannah finds herself in. Um, you know, developmentally, they're going to experience some aspect of friendship problems or um, bullying or at least um, conflict with peers. So I think that they can relate to someone in the program. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's easy for adults to say that middle school students in particular maybe wouldn't relate to topics such as sexuality and depression or drug and alcohol abuse. But, you know, as a middle school counselor, I think Ms. Keffer and I both, we can assure you that our students are exposed to much more mature content mm -hmm. than we may want to admit. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've dealt with suicide ideation and mental health and bullying and peer pressure and relational issues um, in our building. And some of these issues are highlighted in the series. And in that regard, I do think our students, you know, can relate. In, in the novel, and evidently also in the television show, um, the, the school counselor that Hannah goes to seek help from is portrayed in a, a less than flattering light. Um, does this, as school counselors, does this concern you, that portrayal? Yeah, it's very, it's very <laughs> concerning, and I think there's a couple of different reasons that's concerning. Um, 13 Reasons Why takes a very different approach, where the kids are supporting and guiding each other largely through this tragedy and not really relying on adult supports um, in their lives, which is certainly not ideal. Uh, the trained professionals in the show make seemingly unethical decisions mm -hmm. surrounding the student and the aftermath of her suicide. Um, school counselors not portrayed in the most professional light and you know, certainly not following the ethical standards set mm -hmm. forth by our association. Right, I think you know, several things are reported to him, um, including like sexual assault and um, Hannah alludes to you know suicidal ideation and as far as we saw these things were never reported to authorities never reported to the parents um, there was never any consultation with other professionals about those conversations that he had so I think that's certainly not how we you know practice and as school counselors were mandated report reporters and um, it was a reminder to me I think how important the consultation piece is that if we have tough conversations with kids and sometimes we do miss something. So if, you know, going to Mrs. Crooks and saying, you know, I need your opinion on this and, or going to a, our behavioral health consultant, Ms. Levis and saying, I really want your input on this. Um, and also that the importance of contacting the parents anytime that something um, concerning comes up so that they're aware as well. Um, so I think he, I think his intention was not to harm, but it obviously didn't turn out that way. I recently spoke with a parent who has watched the show with her daughter, um, and this parent believes that the overall message presented in 13 Reasons Why overall is pretty effective. Um, do you agree or disagree with that? Two-part question, I guess. First, I applaud the parent for watching the series with their teen. I think that it allows them to have an open dialogue about the content and keeps the parent in tune with what the child may be thinking or experiencing after watching the show. Um, you know, to just assume our children are not watching it is could be dangerous, right? So so first, I applaud the parent for doing that. I, I think the purpose behind the show was meant to be a positive one. Uh, you know, I think that the, they wanted, wanted to raise awareness about suicide and mental illness and the challenges that teens face and really start important conversations. Um, and I also think the intent was to remind young people that, you know, we, they need to have empathy and, and use kindness and respect when it comes to their peers because we don't really know what's happening. Uh, in each other's lives and the impact that their actions have on other people. But I think the way that the show goes about some of that, uh, depicting some of those issues kind of concern me. Um, I think that for someone with with stable mental health and support that's watching the show, they can differentiate between, 
you know, this is a TV drama versus real life. Um, but I think for someone who's already struggling with mental illness and has other stressors like, you know, bullying or sexual abuse or a traumatic history, I think for them, they're going to be a lot more impressionable by this show. And I think it could reaffirm some of those thoughts that death is a way out, right? Mm -hmm. This is, this is a good escape from everything I'm feeling. So it does concern me. I think that as, a, as sort of a follow-up to that, do you think it, it's effective? I guess when let's talk about the the students who may be watching it. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's effective in, in regards to maybe getting them to have a little more empathy for their fellow students, uh, or, or seeing that you know not everybody is you know doing as well as you might be, or that mm-hmm. kind of thing? Do you think in that regard that it is effective at least a little bit? I do, and I think what Ms. Keffer just said for a student who has stable mental health. They would maybe be able to view the series and see that what I say and what I do could have a profound impact on my classmates. Mm -hmm. And maybe they want to turn around some of their decision making or some of their experiences on social media or what Mm -hmm. they're putting out there. And maybe change the way that they act. Mm -hmm. Um, Noticing in the series how it affects, Mm -hmm. you know. Her class, mm-hmm. how her classmates affect Hannah, mm-hmm. um, but maybe for someone who, for a teen who's more at risk or unstable, or dealing with mental health issues, um, I think their perspective of the show may be quite different. Mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what advice do you have for parents whose children may be watching this show? I think first and foremost is just asking your kids, "Have you been watching it?" Right. I, I mean, I think um, just to have that conversation and talk with them about what's in the show. I would love for parents to either watch it, you know, before their child does or with them. Um, like the parent you talked about earlier, because I think it's important to have those conversations about the content in the show. And it gives a chance for them to talk with their child about, have you been experiencing anything like this? Um, who do you relate to on the show? You know, have you ever thought about hurting yourself? Or, um, I think it gives a good frame of reference for parents, but I also, I think some parents are under the impression that this is just a a show for teenagers. And they don't know how graphic um, the, the nature of it is. Well, the other thing that I wanted to, to talk about, um, school officials around the country and other parts of the country um, have, have kind of blamed the show for what they believe is an increase in suicidal and self-destructive behavior among their students. However, um, a recent blog post by Brandywine School Superintendent Mark Holodick, he stated that he has no reason to believe that his schools are at an increased risk of teen suicides because of 13 Reasons Why. Um, do you agree with this? You know, I don't think that, I mean, research shows that talking about suicide and having those conversations is not going to plant the idea um, in someone's mind. But I think, as we've kind of said before, I think for a student that's struggling with mental health, has struggled with suicidal ideation in the past, I think watching a show like this could, could be traumatic and kind of play into those thoughts of, this is a good option for me. This is a way out of my pain. This is a way to make others pay for what they've done. This is a way for others to understand me. Um, we have not, you know, thankfully, I don't think we have seen an increase in any type of suicidal ideation with our students. And, and I think a large part of that is we're, we also educate our students and we have suicide prevention programs within the school um, where students know what to look for mm-hmm. um, and know how to report. And so I think that that, that also helps, mm-hmm. you know, when students come across this kind of content that maybe they're better equipped. Mm-hmm. Mr. Holodick further stated that the intent of his blog post was to present information to families so that they can have productive and meaning, meaningful conversations with their children about the show, 
and about the warning signs, risk factors, and consequences of suicide. And I thought it might be helpful if we address some of those topics. Now, first of all, what can you can you fill me in on some of the warning signs of, of suicide? Sure. So, um, suicidal threats, of course, is is a major warning sign of suicide. They can be direct. Students saying directly, I want to kill myself or I want to die. They could be indirect, um, like more suicide ideation, like I wish I just, I wish I wasn't here anymore or I wish I would go to sleep and never wake up. Um, they could be verbal, nonverbal, online threats or online statements. Um, we see a lot of that. I think that um, in the same age, kids are using social media as one of their biggest outlets. So I think that disclosing something of that nature online happens a lot, uh, almost more than face-to-face -face anymore. And I think I know in 13 Reasons Why, Hannah seems to display some of these warning signs, uh, one of which giving giving away prized possessions, um, you know, emotional distress and that type of thing. Um, changes in behavior and, and, and that all those are sort of feed into that, do they not? They do. And I think, um, you know, looking for signs of depression with young people that often is more irritability than um, what we think of with adults, um, that like deep sadness. Um, emotional distress, withdrawing, you know, she felt like she really just didn't have anyone um, and didn't have any of those connections with friends or mm -hmm. um, adults in the building. We tell, when we teach suicide prevention, we another warning sign that we teach students to look out for is changes in behavior, um, you know, drastic changes in behavior of their friends or changes in their appearance or their hygiene or their mood or their eating habits. Um, and sometimes we think about a, a happy student all of a sudden getting very sad, but we also like to point out that it could also be a very sad student all of a sudden acting very elated and um, hyper or uh, manic almost. Mm -hmm. um, that any change in behavior you, know, wants, you want to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. Now does a change in academic performance feed into that also? Can you address mm -hmm. that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, that would be a, a huge change in, in behavior where a student is, you know, maybe apathetic about school or not putting in any effort. It doesn't matter anymore. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I think that we have had in the past where students have reported that or teachers have reported that, mm -hmm. you know, and they really recognize that that's a, a dramatic change. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about some of the myths about suicide and uh, Mr. Holodick addresses some of these in his blog post too and I'll just go through through a few here and then we can address them uh, one at a time. Myth number one, talking about suicide will make someone choose death by suicide. Can you talk about that one a little bit? Sure, I, I think we kind of already touched on this that research certainly shows that this is not true. Um, you know, talking about suicide is not going to plant the idea in someone's mind. I think it's a hard thing to talk about. It's a, it's very taboo and it's uncomfortable. So I think a lot of people avoid that because of the feelings that come behind, you know, come with it. Um, but you're actually, by bringing it up, you're actually giving the other person a chance to talk about it and, you know, kind of showing them it's okay to open up to me. It's safe and I'm going to listen. Um, so there's no reason to believe that talking about it is, you know, going to make it happen. So if, if a student comes to you in, in the course of your conversation with him or her, they say, you know, I've, I've, 
they mention, oh, I thought about it. Mm -hmm. That's okay, right? It's okay to have that discussion to talk about the the fact that they've thought about it, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, and we're going to be direct. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, sometimes, like I said, it's uncomfortable, but being direct and asking them, have you thought about hurting yourself? Have you thought about killing yourself? Do you you have have a plan? plan? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, being very direct with them is important because you need the answers to those follow-up questions, and you want to show the student, I'm, I'm... listening empathetically i'm not judging you i'm not shutting you down so we yes we do have those conversations and then following up always with a parent contact yeah talking directly with the parent and possibly setting them up with child priority response or additional resources Mm -hmm. another myth people who struggle with depression and mental illness are they're just weak (laughs) that's right seems kind of harsh to say that is that can you talk about that myth a little bit yeah mental illness is largely misunderstood Uh, Mm -hmm. mental illness is just as real as any physical illness our society often doesn't have as much empathy for someone who's struggling with a mental illness as they would for someone with you know, a disease that's more outwardly apparent. Um, yeah, and I think that people um, sometimes equate mental illness to their own experience, right? So, you know, because the depression and anxiety and some of these other mental illness issues are things that we as humans just experience um, at some point in our life. We're going to feel depressed or anxious, but the difference between that and um, clinical depression or clinical anxiety um, it's not the same thing. It's right? a big difference. Isn't There's it? a big difference, but I yeah. think people sometimes think, well, I've, you know, we all get like that sometimes, suck it up mm-hmm. and get over it. Like mm-hmm. I deal with mine and you should be able to deal with yours. But I think there's a lack of understanding there that clinical depression or anxiety or, um, mental illness is much different and needs support, mm-hmm. um, and professional help. Yeah. Myth number three, people who talk about suicide won't really do it. Yeah. That, that's a myth that we also teach to our students. Um, you know, sometimes kids will say, oh, she's just saying that for attention, mm-hmm. right? And so our response would be probably something along the lines of, well, if someone's seeking attention, they need attention <laughs> for something, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, if someone's talking about suicide, we cannot assume that they're just seeking attention and they're not mm-hmm. going to do that. It's I mean, to be taken seriously. It's to be taken, yeah. that's a threat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you know, that's one of the warning signs we teach, right, mm-hmm. is to look for those threats. And so if mm-hmm. someone's saying, I want to, I'm talking about suicide, I want to commit suicide, then that's a direct threat that we need to take seriously every single time. Mm -hmm. In 2014, the Centers for Disease Control listed suicide as the second leading cause of death among American teens. Now, when you think about that, that's kind of shocking in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, With that in mind, what should a parent do if they believe that their child has, has thoughts of suicide or has considered suicide? Well, I think safety obviously is our number one concern, right? So um, just not leaving them unsupervised, um, making sure that they don't have the access or means to complete suicide, whether it's, you know, guns in the house, knives, pills, anything. Listening empathetically and not coming to judgment. And, you know, as, as a parent, I can imagine hearing that from your child is would be a shock and would be very hard to hear, almost like you feel like you did something wrong. So just letting them talk without... You know, coming back with your thoughts, I think, is important. And then seeking professional help, you know, immediately, whether that's um, the nearest emergency room, calling child priority response, calling the police. Right. Of course, if it was an emergency situation, you'd want the parent to call 911 or bring them to the nearest emergency room. If it's not that kind of a situation and the parent needs resources and is not sure, where do I go with this? You know, call your school counselor, your child's Mm -hmm. school counselor. We have plenty of resources available. 
you know, we can help facilitate that process of getting them evaluated mm -hmm. and getting seeking the help that they need. So the parent can contact you either of you two directly or the school counselor directly Absolutely. to talk about it. If they Absolutely. Have concerns. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't feel like they need the support necessarily, we always appreciate the communication with the school mm -hmm. so that we, you know, just so that we're all in the same loop and we know um, how to support them here. Mm -hmm. Now, let's let's go to the to the student level. What should a student do? if they believe that one of their friends or one of their peers has thoughts of suicide? They should report it to a trusted adult mm -hmm. um, in, within the school building. For our school, a lot of times students will share with a teacher, a trusted teacher, and the teacher then you know, mm -hmm. will share with one of the school counselors mm -hmm. or with Ms. Levis. Um, if, we're the first, if it's the summer or they're not in school or it's a weekend, they need to tell their parent um, and get in touch with their, their friend who's making these threats or mm -hmm having this change of behavior, get in touch with their family and, and let them know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that kids often ask their friends, you know, not to tell and keep please keep it a secret. And that's a that's hard for, for a kid because they feel like they're betraying that trust. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask that. Yeah. It, it is, that's got to be hard for a kid, but it's still important for them to Absolutely. do Absolutely. And we, yeah. we really reinforce that as much as we can here that they probably are going to ask you to keep it a secret, but you... 100% of the time need to tell an adult and it's you can't have that weight on your shoulders to support your friend you know the best support you can give them is by sharing with an adult that can get them resources um, and we just remind them even if they're upset with you for a little bit the, in the long run it's always the best decision yeah um, you'd rather maybe lose a friend have a friend be mad at you for two weeks for telling than lose a friend to suicide yeah. because you didn't tell yeah you mentioned this earlier, but I'd like to talk about it again. What are some of the resources available to parents and students in the areas of suicide prevention? I mean, it, both within the school and even within the larger community, what are some of those resources that they can take advantage of? Well, at Georgetown Middle School, our seventh grade all gets, um, all of our seventh graders get the curriculum Lifelines, which mm -hmm. is a suicide prevention mm -hmm. curriculum through our health class. Lindsay Levis, our behavioral health consultant, mm -hmm. facilitates that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a four session program where students learn the warning signs of suicide, what to do if you think a friend or yourself is suicidal, um, and then also it lists some resources for students. Mm -hmm. So that is a prevention piece that we have in our school. Mm -hmm. What about in the larger community? Um, if a, you know, a parent has concerns, what are some of the resources that are out there, maybe outside the school, that they can that they can. So child priority response, we talked a little bit about that earlier, is a hotline um, that parents can call. Um, there's a 1-800 number, and they will come to the home or come to school and assess the child and, um, you know, really see how serious the threat is and then connect them to resources, whether that's inpatient counseling or ongoing outpatient counseling. Um, there's also a free crisis text line um, that kids or adults could use. They can text DE for Delaware to 74174. Um, and that's from the Division of Prevention and Behavioral Health Services. Um, there's also a National Suicide Prevention life, uh, Lifeline. Right, so CPR's phone number, uh, Child Priority Response, is our local suicide prevention hotline. is 1-800-969-HELP. That's great, and thank you guys for providing our listeners with sure. that information. And it, it's, it's interesting because there's strong opinions on both sides about 13 Reasons Why. And, and, but I think the show has had at least one positive impact in that it's allowed us to have an open and constructive mm -hmm you know, discussion about this topic. So, um, Aaron, Marie, you've given us some great information today, and I really want to thank you for joining me again. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. 
Suicide prevention resources are available on the Indian River School District website at irsd.net. Go to the Parents and Students tab at the top of the page and click on Bullying and Suicide Prevention Resources in the drop-down menu. IRSD Spotlight is produced by the Indian River School District. Episodes can be accessed through iTunes or by visiting irsd.net and going to the podcast link under the Discover IRSD tab. It is also available through several mobile podcast apps. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon with more great news and information from the Indian River School District. Until then, remember that Indian River truly is a model of excellence.